Welcome back to the Hit Factor podcast. Uh, tonight on deck, we have Jeremy Reed, Jeff Cawthon, Jared Fox, and I'm Jason Bradley. Uh, tonight, we're going to talk about some recent matches. Uh, I've got a few listener questions and maybe something else that may pop up. So, uh, first match, I guess we'll just start with the most recent one that one of us has shot, which was the Iowa sectional. And Jared shot that. Jared, how'd that go? Started off really well. It just didn't go very well in the total match. Uh, had a ammo failure that caused me to zero a 145-point stage, which was 13% of the match score. But otherwise, my shooting was pretty good. But you were the fastest guy in the match. I, I did. I had the fastest raw time, even faster than the open shooters with my production gun. And it was because I shot the all-steel stage in one one second, 1.42 seconds. Quickest time in the match. Oh, so your draw was only 142 on that? Well, I had to step into the shooting area, too. Mm, I would have expected from, I would have expected from like a GM level to be like sub 130 there. Uh, well, I'm only an M in production, so. Oh, well, then that's pretty good. <laughs> Not bad. No, it, so I'll just uh, get right into the uh, gun failure. It wasn't gun failure, it was ammo failure. Uh, it was a new one for me I'd never seen. So first shot went off. Second shot failed to chamber. And, of course, I case-gaged all of my match ammo. Uh, it appeared that it, when it failed to chamber, it somehow got the bullet stuck in the chamber. So then the next bullet behind it obviously wouldn't chamber, uh, basically acting like a squib. And I think I racked like a mag and a half out before I just kind of like turned to the RO. I was like, uh, you got to stop it here. You want to rack all these rounds out. <laughs> <laughs> so the 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 next round would it would go fully in? No, it wouldn't go all the way in. It was that's what I mean. It was acting like a squib, even though the it did not it did not set a primer off on the second one. It failed the chamber. So uh, best I can guess, maybe the round was long. I didn't notice it when case gauging it, so it wouldn't chamber. But then it got stuck in there. Mm, so the whole round got stuck. In no, there. no, just the bullet. The bullet came out of the case and got stuck in the chamber. Okay. How, how is that not a squib? Well, it, it basically is the same thing as a squib. I mean, I know it's not a squib, but yeah. 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 It basically is the same thing okay. as a squib. Okay. Okay. So if you had gotten, let's say, the fourth round to chamber, would you have fired that gun? No. By then, I was guessing that was what it was because I... I stripped the mag and kind of inspected it to see if it maybe is a broken slide stop. Because sometimes uh, it's easy if you break a slide stop, it won't cycle all the way. But you can normally get it to chamber. So by then, I decided that it was probably a squib. But I did have another. So, but I did have another gun with me. Didn't you rack like ten rounds through it? Uh, probably. So if you weren't going to shoot it, why did you rack ten rounds through it? Because you're I, trying to get a reshoot. Damn it. <laughs> I was trying to solve the problem. I didn't know what it was for sure. At first, I, I thought it was a slide stop. Uh, so that's why I was racked through the first like three or four rounds. And then I dropped the mag and cycled the gun empty a couple of times. And it didn't appear to be the side stops. And then it was basically the RO stopped it. Okay. So, okay. okay so this is where, it, to me, this is where it actually gets interesting. Like, like that is a total, but like first shot on a 145 points, like that's a total massive bummer. And like, that's just a match record. Like it's really tough to come back from that from a match. But the interesting part to me in this, because you shared the video with us, I feel like we need to share the video publicly, but no. you probably won't let us, but I'm calling you out now. Uh, is it, is it you basically turned around to the RO and said, are you going to stop me now? And and like if I was the RO, I would probably do whatever a Sasquatch told me. Like I have this like six four dude that right. just you know, like hands the size of a baseball bat telling me to stop him. I would probably say stop too. But it's interesting because the RO did say stop. Which if anybody knows the rule book at all, if Jared had pulled that gun apart and there was no bullet in the barrel, automatic reshoot. So 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 like that that would have happened. So the RO, what the RO should have done is said, "Are if you are finished, unload and show clear." 
At which case, if you said, no, I'm not going to, then the RO puts you on a clock and you got two minutes to clear the gym or your stage is finished, whether you want it to be finished or not. Um, so it's, it's fascinating to me that that's what the actual RO did, um, which gets us into all sorts of hypotheticals at that point. So by that point, though, it was pretty clear it was a squib, but I'm never going to stop myself unless I knock my hearing protection off, which is, I think, the only reason you can stop yourself is if you lose uh, either hearing or eye protection at a stage. Otherwise, if it's a safety concern, you can stop yourself. Yeah. So in in that case, I mean, it, it was pretty clear what it was. So... Okay, so that that's I mean it's interesting to me that that you would say like I'll never stop myself. Because like cuz I was in that same situation at Area 4 that was in Arkansas several years ago, uh an extractor just broke. Like the the hook broke off. Um thank you EGW extractors. Um and so at that point like you can't like you're done. Like there's no there's no getting through a stage. It was on like my third shot of that stage or something like that. Um, and so the RO just looks at me. He's like, are you finished? I'm like, here's clear. But I can't show you clear because I can't extract the case out of the gun. But uh, if you will escort me to a safe area, then I'm showing you as clear as I can. Uh, so I get, I guess the, I guess the idea that a, that a shooter would never stop himself. It's like, well, yeah, you're not going to stop yourself, but if the gun's completely broken, it's you're toast anyway. Like, there's no. Yeah. So it, obviously, hindsight 2020, it, it's a case where I should have just stopped myself. I mean, by that point, I knew that's what it, it had to be. Something stuck in the chamber because there was nothing else visibly wrong. Yeah. So, okay, so then let's, so let's, do we want to talk about the hypothetical? Like, so let's just say that you went to the safe area and did they check for a squib? Like, what happened at that point after they said stop? Uh, I think you followed me over there. I got a squib rod from another squad mate and knocked it out. Oh, so they did check to see if there was one there. And, the, um, and then I had to have them correct the score. They forgot my 28 procedurals I earned on that stage. <laughs> Oh, because it was steel. It wasn't just paper. Yes. Excellent. Um, so <laughs> let's say let's say you went over to this the uh, the safe area and there was no bullet in the barrel. What were you gonna like? Had you thought about that? What were you gonna do next? I hadn't thought about it, but it would. I mean, it was either a gun failure or or that. So it was. I mean, the stage was over by then. Like, I mean, pretty well. But if he had walked you over to the safe area and there's no bullet in it, that's automatic reshoot. I don't think. It, well, I mean, I guess technically, yes, it would be, but it it shouldn't be there. I mean, it was it was pretty clear something was broke. And, well, something was wrong, and I was sure it was a squib by then, but her a bullet or something lodged in the chamber. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think that's an appropriate reaction, but I am curious what the rest of the panels, like say you're on a squad with somebody else and they do, they intimidate the RO into saying stop <laughs> like Jared did. They scare okay. him and the <laughs> yeah. RO doesn't know what to do, so he says stop. And I, I, okay, intimidating is and... a little harsh. I turned I turned to the RO that I know and I was like, are you gonna stop me for a squib? Because that's what it is. Can't, yeah, but imagine okay, Jared, just like try to imagine like somebody that's like seven six and like another fifty pounds over you and turns to you and says, Are you gonna stop me? You would be intimidated. That poor little RO. Like he he's just trying to do his job and he's got giants coming after him. But let's let's say Let's say you're on a squad with somebody and they do that. They go to the safe area. There is no uh, there is no bullet in the barrel. And and the shooter's like, all right, cool. I get a reshoot. What it, What is y'all's reaction going to be at that point? If I was the RO and I made that mistake call, essentially, um, because, I mean, if he, didn't, if he didn't yell stop on his own, then he didn't think it was a squib. So if I would have 
mistakenly been like just flustered or something because and, and, and would have said, okay, stop. And then I would have been like, holy crap, wait, this is not a squib. And if one didn't fall out, then I would have been like, whoo, this is kind of weird. Uh, I've stopped him. The rule book clearly distinguishes or says that uh, if you stop them for something like that, they get a reshoot. There's no questions. Once a reshoot is per the rules, the shooter has no option to turn it down. Uh, it's a reshoot. I would have been, oh, I mean, just it would have been a mistake and I would have just moved on. It wouldn't have been right per the rules, but nothing you can do about it. I'd have felt probably stupid about it, but. Yeah, it would have been, it might have been a little awkward there since, uh, if, you know, if Jared turned around and said, are you going to stop me? It's a squib. And then it ended up not being a squib. Like, <laughs> that would have been awkward. But, yeah. So, but Jared didn't say that, to be fair, guys. He said he said it. Jared didn't say he that. He said he said it. Oh. No, I, oh, I, I asked him if he was going to stop yeah. me because it was a squib, which, hindsight 2020, I should have just showed clear. I mean, that's what it was. Or lost your eye pro, lost your ear pro, or run him over. Run <laughs> <laughs> him over, Jared. <laughs> Uh, leave the shooting area to, to run him over, or you, you should knock, have you should knock have my your... knock my ear pro off on on a stage where there is not a single obstacle inside the shooting yeah. area. I think both so of those would have been great. What you do is you work the slide on your your gun so vigorously that your eye pro falls off. It it would be a furious mess, but I bet you could do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think any of those are good options. Point being, though, by, by that time, like, it, it's as soon as that happened, I knew the match was over. Like, there is no coming back from uh, 140, 45 points, whatever you would have got on the stage, which at that point in the match, I'd been shooting very well. It was our third stage, and I absolutely crushed the stage before that and had a stage win on it. Um was probably against the my biggest competitor in my squad. I was up 23 points on him after two stages and was in a was in a good position, was shooting well. And when that happened, it was just like I knew the match was over. Once I cleared it, I just signed my score sheet and left my squad for a few minutes to to not be bothered and allow myself to to chill out a little bit. He ripped small 20-foot trees up out of the ground. <laughs> That's right. So how? So okay. Moving along, how did that uh, affect? I mean, what happened with the rest of your match? As far as what mindset did that put you? I in? mean, I was probably not as in it as mentally as I needed to be. Um, I was certainly still trying to shoot and trying to stay in it. And, I mean, I still shot fairly well. Like, I mean, stage times and stuff were good, but it was definitely not shooting as well as I should have been. I had a lot of makeups on steel and stuff after that. And, you know, try, trying to get back in it, but it's it's hard to stay mentally focused. Once, you, once you're shooting for, for fun, basically, it, it's the equivalent of going to chrono on, like, the second stage and, and going sub-minor. It's like, okay, I'm still shooting, but there's no... There's no point in it. The gonna you're basically shooting to see if you can get, I don't know, seventy percent instead of eighty percent instead of sixty percent. I mean, there's you're so far out of the match then that then it doesn't really matter. So if y'all were like coaching somebody, like you had, say you've got a a kid that you were coaching and they had and that happened to them, what how would what would you coach them to do after that? Like what would you try to get them to do? So I would tell them stage wins. No, I would. I mean, it would. I think so. It would depend on the level where they're at. Um, I would probably recommend that they try to put that stage behind them and shoot the next one. Like you can't change what's already shot on that one. Just shoot the next one and and don't compound the error with more. But it, I mean, if it was someone who was, you know, say one of your guys' levels, I would just tell you just to shoot the match do whatever you want it doesn't really matter anymore but if it was some kid that's like say b class or something who was not in serious contention to finish in the top two or three anyways then it would just be you know put it behind you shoot the rest of the stages because you're still in the running at that standpoint if you're trying for like a b class or even an a class win or something 
Yeah. I would um, tell them um, that I witnessed uh, a score from a, a national level match where uh, a person shooting that match, I think, had six mics on a stage that was pretty tough. Um, it was that classifier stage that everybody loves. And I think they were like 157th place in that stage. And that person went on to win the national championship. That's what I'd tell them. I'd tell them 140 points is a lot of points. And yeah, it may keep you from winning first. Um, but I would say now's the time to, to, to get the, get the experience of trying to come back from something like that. Cause you never know. I would say, uh, you never know what's going to happen. I'd give another example of Tom Brady being uh, sitting on the uh, sideline on his ass, crying after he got knocked out. Not really knocked out, but knocked on his butt. And was down like 21 to 3 at halftime and then come back and won, I think, his sixth uh, Super Bowl title. So that's what I'd tell him. Didn't he cheat? I mean, he might have. That was after. That was a couple years before that. But I'm just saying that's what I would tell someone that I was coaching. I mean, that's what you asked. You tell them to stay in it and never give up. So that that does leave a different equation, though. When you start talking like a national match where there's, I don't know, 2,000 points available or something, and you have 18 stages instead of, you know, seven more. 12. It, it, and like in that standpoint, 13% of the match points were just gone. There was There was no – there was nowhere to make them up. Like you would have had to – yeah. I would have had to stage win every single stage to have made them up enough to matter. Right. Um, which is, is highly and probably by a large is highly unlikely with the skill of the shooters that were there. Yeah. Now nationals is a little different. You're down uh, you talk a stage like that. Uh I know what stage you're talking about. It's called for this day. And it's it is extremely hard classifier, anyways. And zeroing that, it was a 90 point stage. But it was a 90-point stage in like an 1,800-point match, I think, if I remember right. And I don't think that I don't think they actually zeroed it. But yeah. yeah, but in that standpoint, you're you certainly lost a lot. But it's not so much that it's you know it, that's five points a stage to make up. That's not trying to make up you know 20 points a stage. So it is it is different depending on the circumstances. Jeff, what are you gonna what are you gonna coach somebody into? Yeah, so, I mean, I'd, I'd go further along the lines of what Jason said. Um, even even if there really is no hope, like, like Jared was saying, you know, you've only got seven more stages and you're 120 points down from from the your competitor. Um, I would at least tell them that this is really good practice. Like you're, you're, at a, you're at a major with major match pressure. Uh, you only get to practice this, you know, if you're me, you only get to practice that six times a year. Uh, so I'm um, stay in it, stay in the zone. And then if you, if you, if you happens. come back and you spank them, like that's humiliating. So that's what I want to do. Jeff's all about rubbing people's nose. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff's, Jeff's a little, uh, he's a little cocky lately. He he's is. pretty salty. <laughs> Well, he's got those yeah. nice uh, trophies to look at every night. <laughs> That's true. He has some, a couple of fantastic trophies. That's what Jared, uh, Je- uh, Jeff, you just need to carry him with you. And anytime somebody says something that disagrees, that you disagree with, just be like, bam, right. yeah. to show that little trophy in their face. And they're like, what is that? Right. Is that like yeah. a bowling league? What'd you, what'd you get? Is that what you get that for? Yeah. But that's okay. what I would tell him. I would just tell him to stay in it and. Like we'd we'd stay the course, you know. We might even try to change the strategy to go more aggressive. Uh, like if this, if it was like a student that I was yes. coaching, um, we would just change yeah. strategy. I mean, we'd stay in it. Uh, yeah, that's that's what I because it means. Like you said, you don't get you don't. It's a major match. Um, you know, it, it's not it's not a area level or a national championship level, but it's a major match, and um, you you just yeah. Gotta stay in it. I'm not saying what Jerry did was wrong. That's not what we're saying. I'm just saying that's what I would coach somebody to yeah. do. If I was the shooter, it might be a different story because I'm gonna tell you something. I shot a, a local yesterday and I had some gun problems. It was ammo problems actually, and I might have gotten a little pissed off myself. So uh, over just something at a, a club match. So I, I, I get the. I understand that definitely. Jared, if you had. Coach Boomer, coaching you. 
you could get third place in nationals too. Oh, I'll just I'll just see if I can hire him. <laughs> kidding. So I I would have a little okay. bit different. I think I would tell somebody if I was coaching something a little bit different in that a massive part of this sport is being a just the nature of our sport. It's like it's like golf, uh, but a massive part of it is being able to deal with disappointment and and get getting over that quickly. And and so that would be what I would be telling a student like, okay, look. You you are massively disappointed and discouraged right now uh, because it looks like your match is over. This is a good opportunity to practice. Can you turn yourself around and and get positive quickly? And then let's see and let's see what you can do. Um, you now have an opportunity to, to to practice being positive in adverse situations, and you also kind of have the pressure off of you so you can see what you're actually capable of in this match and see how you see how you would stack up. Uh, when you when you kind of let go of it uh, and, and you're not you're not trying to not mess up, yes. you, you know you're kind of freed up so that you can kind of hit it. I think that's what I would want to tell somebody, and maybe that's what I, sh- I. I mean, I'm terrible at telling myself that, but I would hope that that would be what I would tell myself. That's it's tough though. I mean, been where Jared was at, and that's it's very hard. It's really tough to to do anything well, with it. And the stage after that, I, I shot it fairly well. Um, I got 10 points back on the next person I was trying to beat on that one. And then our stage after that had a max trap that they got me pretty hard with uh, a mic no shoot come up a little quicker than I expected it to. And instead of being two alpha, it was alpha mic no. Mm. Yeah. Can we just yeah. delete all movers in USPSA matches? I would, I would be a fan of that. I, Movers, movers add something. Um, it's just, it's tough for stuff like that to always be the same. Just very tough. Just especially whenever there's something like that that can be affected by the wind or it's, you know, rainy, muddy out, the weights falling in the mud. I mean, it, it certainly appeared to me as though it came up a little quicker than it did the you know, two shooters before me when I watched it, but that could have been perception. Um, I certainly think it it was changing speed a little bit, and you see that once in a while with uh, max traps. I normally don't see too much problem with swingers, though, as long as the target is attached well. Yeah, I, I, I'd i be fine with going to nothing. If you're going to have movers, let them just be swingers. Swingers are pretty foolproof. I agree. We ready to move on to Area 5 discussion? Yeah, buddy. Yeah? Okay. So, um, none of us shot Area 5. Um, I guess it was in Kentucky this year. I guess that's not the uh, normal place, or uh, maybe they, they move around. Something with COVID or whatever, they they had okay. to cancel it and move it. I think it was supposed to be in Ohio. And the range that did the Kentucky State Championship uh, took over it and went ahead and ran it. Cool. So, uh, does anybody want to jump out on this one and talk about anything that jumps out at them? I mean, the first thing is Max Michelle won high overall with the carry optics gun. Like that's yeah. pretty. That's pretty, pretty salty. Which yeah, and he beat some very good open grandmasters. So Boomer's going to beat him though at nationals. Yeah, I mean Cody Baker won, be- didn't he win nationals a few years ago? I think he won twenty seventeen. Yeah, 2017 Nationals. Yeah. That's salty, dude. That's, I mean, we don't know what happened, but it's still, to be even that close is, is impressive. I mean, it, or, you know what I mean? That's, that's, Max is obviously very good at shooting as well. Yeah. So do y'all think any, like, do y'all think people are looking at that and thinking, dang, why don't I just get rid of my open gun and just shoot carry optics? I do not think that's the case. No. I, I think anybody that sees Max, well, no, I think I don't think anybody that is, I don't know what the word is, is that is honest with themselves is thinking, oh, well, it's the same thing. I, I do, you know, that brings up an interesting point, though. I do think there's a lot of your average competitors that were shooting open. Say the, the guys have been around for a while that can't see irons anymore that were shooting open just because that was the only division they could shoot a red dot in. There, there's, there, there's certainly. 
you're seeing a lot more of those guys get a CO gun instead of having an open gun built or buying an open gun. Um, when you, but when you're talking to the guys at the top level, like they're shooting the division they want to shoot. So it doesn't, I, I'm, I can assure you Cody's not, wasn't sitting on the way home. Like, man, I got to get a Legion so I can go shoot CO against max. Like he probably didn't care. He was still the area five champion. It is. Yeah. I also think people don't think that because I think a lot of people think Max is untouchable. Like, Right. That's what I was I getting don't think at. They look at it's that and think, oh, yeah, I should, I should do that because I can just go compete with the open guys. I think they look at that and they think that guy's untouchable. Okay. So is he? Like, is, I mean, is there anybody competing no. in CO that's going to push him at nationals? Jason, Jason Bradley. I mean, I hope to have a great match. Um, uh, if I have a good match, we'll see. But uh, I mean, you got to also be realistic. I think I think Max is a level above me, um, if not two. <laughs> but at the same time, I don't think it's something that's not impossible. If he has a bad day, I have a really good day. But I mean, as far as who's really going to show up to Carry Optics Nationals, I mean, you got Casey Eusebio, who I think shot like ninety five percent or ninety four percent of him, or maybe even ninety six. It, it was fairly close. Um, it, considering, and so if he had a great match and Max had a bad match, it could happen. Wanzik almost beat him one year, so it, it could happen. He's not he's not untouchable, and uh, not only that, you know, I, I was I was thinking about this. I don't know Max. I've never talked to Max. I think I might have said something to him at once, twice at a match. But uh, I, I'll say this: there is something to going to a match that you know you are going to dominate at, and that being an easier match to shoot than going to a match that you know has got someone that could beat you or you're neck and neck. It's the, it's back to the taking the pressure off you. I mean, at a local match, we all probably get a little bit nervous or have a little bit maybe, but it's not near as it would be as at uh, Nationals. So, I mean, I don't think. Here's my thought. So, who knows? Here's my thought on, on Max and his domination of CO. Is he was the first extremely high-level Open guy, like I me, mean, he had. I think he won the open nationals last year. He shot open before he switched to CO full time, if I remember right. Didn't he win like 2016 open nationals? And then he switched to wasn't that Tilly? But, anyways, he was he was the first guy that had been was like a high level, always super squad, always in contention to win an open guy to pick up a CO gun. And it seemed like he, compared to a lot of people coming from production and stuff like that, he certainly shoots it a lot more like an open gun. And I would kind of describe it as he was, you know, he's the first one to kind of figure it out. And everybody else gets to play catch up with him. I mean, I I still feel at this point, Max is the only traditional big name that is really putting effort into CO. Like I feel like CO, CO is probably the most popular division now as far as numbers-wise, but it's pretty bottom-heavy. Most most matches you go to, is, there's not a lot of the top-level shooters shooting it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not it's not a limited match. It's not limited. I feel like, and I may be wrong, but I feel like limited is that match where, like, when you go to any state or area match, Shane Coley's going to be there. Blake's going to be there. Some of the other guys that are going to be that you know have a chance of winning are going to be there. Where um, you know production, I think, has fallen off. Uh, you'll have a lot of people in production, but there'll be um, there's not national champion shooters going to well, most production matches. And I could be. I wrong. think some of that is though. It's like you look at limited. There's still like ten guys competing in limited on a regular basis who have won a nationals at some point in time in that division. Where like production, I mean, there's one current shooter in production that's won a nationals in the last ten years. You look at open, there's what four. Um, you look at limited, you have probably in the last ten years probably half a dozen or more guys that have won a national title in that division. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I mean, that's that's how I think. I mean, I just think there's there's a I don't know that any one division is, say, easier to win than the others of the big three, but there, it certainly seems like there's more guys at that level 
and limited than everything else. And it could just be, you know, Ben might just be farther ahead of everybody else in production and, you know, Christian, he could be the new guy that's that in open and that, you know, just much farther ahead of everybody else. Um, you know, the, it's up in the air, but limited, you, you really can't pick who's going to win a limited title, you know, at the start of the season. You can't be like, I'd bet money on that guy for sure. I mean, what, Shane won it in 17. Uh, JJ won it the last two years. Yep. Yeah. And I don't remember who, I don't even remember who, I think Nels won it in 16. I can't remember. Vogel's got one in there somewhere. Yeah. Nils has a couple. Yeah. And, um, and Blake won it back in like 2010 or 11. And no. Yeah. It's been, it's been, yeah, it's been a while since Blake won. Yeah. That was like one of the first nationals I went to. So it's probably oh nine or 10. Um, but okay. So speaking of matches that you don't know who's going to win, uh, production at area five, to me, production was the most interesting division at area five. Uh, Nils shot it super early. And I mean, typical Nils, he shot really, I mean, Nils has just been shooting really well all year. Uh, but, Looking at the scores and kind of transposing him against some of the limited shooters that had shot is like, I don't know. It didn't look like maybe it was maybe not Nils's best match, but then uh, Sal Luna shot it and he was really close to Nils. And the the X factor for me was Jacob Hetherington shot it, and Jacob's been shooting three gun all year. That that I can tell. This is as far as I can tell. This is his first like pistol match of the year, and. Jacob ended up winning by a, a fairly healthy margin. Um, I think like three and a half percent at that match, which was was pretty impressive. Um, but that's interesting because we got area four this weekend, and Jacob and Nils are both shooting area four. I think uh, Jeff is shooting area four, fresh off his uh, podium finishes at nationals. Um, is Mason shooting you- area? Who else is? There was another. Another guy or two shooting area four. I'm not sure if Mason was signed up for it or not. And they, they've already closed it where you can't see the rest of the squads. Yeah, you oh, can't see it. There, there's another guy that's shooting area four, but to me it makes area four pretty interesting to see who's who's going to pull through in production. Because um, the production race this year is, I mean, it's, you know, Nils is one, then Mason won, and then Jacobs won. And they may all three be shooting Area 7 whenever that's coming up fairly soon. I don't know if that's next weekend or I don't know when Area 7 is, but it's coming up fairly soon. I know at least Nils and Mason are both shooting that. Uh, so that's production's pretty fascinating this year and pretty pretty wide open. Um, so I'll be watching those what pretty I, closely. What I think is most interesting from that is, like you said, Jacob had not been shooting USPSA, at least, I mean, he may have still been shooting some locals or, like, state matches in his area, but I hadn't seen him on any area match results or any of the other, you know, kind of bigger matches. Yeah. So, it, so to, to come out there and then win in a pretty dominating fashion when Nils has been shooting so well this year uh, was pretty interesting and really kind of opens it up to, you know, is he going to shoot nationals and how is he going to do? I mean, I got to assume at this point, Jacob is gearing up for nationals, for production nationals. Uh, that would that would just seem to make sense. Um, and the way Mason's shooting this year, production nationals could be really interesting. I'd really, I I, I really look forward to seeing that. Uh, if if Ben shoots it, I would love to see where, um, how that would all shake out with with Ben versus. Versus those other three guys this year, because it seems like they're—I don't know—seems like they're pushing pretty hard. Mm-hmm. It would be—it would be interesting to look at those matches. With like, I guess Nils has been to all of them and competed against Jacob and Mason. Yeah, he's kind of—I think he's so, shooting most every area match this year. Yeah, so it would be interesting to look back and uh, kind of study those matches because. You know, different shooters are better at different yeah. things. Uh, so, it, I wonder if you would look back and you'd be able to see why, 
why Niels did good at this match. You know, maybe he shot pretty good at all these matches, but some of them played to his strengths more. Don't really know. But uh, I think that would be interesting, and you might you might learn something about each of those shooters if you did that. Yeah, I mean, it, it looked like I haven't seen like I haven't seen a full match video from Area Five, but some of the stages I have seen it look pretty hoser. I mean, pr- like wide open targets, and and that is like I said, I haven't seen all the stages, but it it looked wide open, and I would say that that favors Jake. I mean, Jacob can rail. Man, that kid can rail really hard. Um, Niels is so good because Niels shoots partial targets. Like, he shoots those so much more aggressively than other people are able to. Uh, I mean, he's like, so like when you get him into a Nationals level match where you typically have harder shooting, then that's really, I mean, that's why Niels, I think, does so well at Nationals because, yeah, he just, he shoots those targets really, really well. Um, Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I think that's pretty interesting. Uh, keep watching the match results. Uh, I, I would say if in this match results section that we're talking about, man, if you guys have like, man, if you're B class, C class, A class, whatever class you are, like, if you got a buddy that you like to compete against, uh, that like is really close, like I'm, I'm cool to look at results and see like, like dissect them that way and yeah. talk about it. Like, cause I, I just think it's competition is interesting almost. Whatever level, doesn't you don't necessarily have to be a great shooter for the competition itself to be good. Uh, so, if you're trying to beat one of your buddies and you want us to talk about it, or if you do beat one of your buddies and you want us to talk about it, then I'm fine with that too. What you got, Jared? Speaking of match results, that did bring up something interesting from Iowa too. So I I don't know if they had Wi-Fi on all the bays. I, I guess they must have because as soon as you approved your results. It sent you an email, and if you updated the competitor app, right, if you got the email, like, it was in there right away. That's awesome. So results were going in instantly, which makes it interesting to follow the other divisions because I was shooting on a different squad than some of my buddies. So it was was nice to be able to look and see where they were comparing to the guys who had shot on Friday and Saturday. Yeah. And to see how they were doing, which from a – fan of the game i think it makes it more interesting to be able to look at the results see what's happening and if i wasn't at the match that would have been really interesting like last year i had to miss it because i was out of town and to be able to check and see how your buddies are doing and get like instant feedback like you could update it every 20 or 30 minutes and see what was going on is it should be that way at nationals and area matches oh i mean yeah nationals that should should be just automatic like that should be if you put a put in a bid to host nationals you have to show that you can have Wi-Fi. Like, you better have because, Wi-Fi, man. Yeah. If you don't, yeah, Jared's coming. We're after gonna you. put you in a slapping right. contest with Jared, and he's gonna. That's win. the thing. Right after you get done with Jeff, after he's done with Jason. So okay, so if anybody doesn't know what's going on here, uh, I was kidding, bro. We're cool. We're cool. That, I don't know. They they pop up videos of these things pop up on my Instagram every once in a while, and. So we're trying to get Jeff and Jared to enter in a slapping contest because Jeff called Jared fat, and I don't think that was very nice. And I think <laughs> I think Jeff should have to take his take his lickings. But let's let Jeff get a shot in too. I don't want it doesn't have to be a. Yeah, and we're gonna let Jeff go first. And Jeff has a Jeff has a good chance since Jeff called me fat. I've lost twenty pounds. Yeah, so he's weak right now. So Jeff. The, the, this is the time to pounce. Frail. That's right. It's frail. I mean, Jeff works out all the now, time, so value, he should be good. I value, I value my life. So those things about the – you watch those slapping contests, and the videos that always pop up are of one dude just getting completely yeah. knocked out, and, and which is crazy. And then when you watch it, you're like, this is not a slapping contest. This is an open-hand punching contest that is just to the side of the oh. face is all it is. Yeah. It, it, it's – it's yeah. Yeah. I mean, hey, those guys want to do it. It's cool. I mean, but if Jared, it's fun to if watch. Jared slapped me, it, it would dislocate my head from my spine first. I'd probably blow out an eardrum. I would lose vision in that eye and probably dislocate my jaw, too. Like, I'm not, I don't want any part of that. And your bowels I would probably evacuate. I think myself. you're overselling it a bit. I don't think it'd be that bad. I, you know, I think the most important thing is we need our listeners to let us know, do they want me to slap Jason or Jeff first? Yeah. <laughs> please, 
We'll we'll go live with that. Yeah. No, let's go ahead and throw Jeremy in there. No, let's throw Jeremy in there too. Jeremy has yeah. we're doing Jeremy it. Jeremy hasn't done anything to make me want to slap yeah, him. He bought me margaritas the other day. I, hey, hey, we're buddies, man. Yeah. So I, if you I, yeah. if you don't want him to slap me, reply Jeff. And if you want him to slap Jason, reply Jason. Sounds great. <laughs> okay. That's good. Good. And that's just which one's going first. They're both getting slapped. <laughs> there you go. All right. So y'all want to take some listener questions? Yes. Let's do some uh, rapid fire. I'll ask these questions to one person. And I guess if you other two want to uh, reply or comment, you can. How about that? This first one is for Jared. How many times do you have to beat a guy before he's no longer considered a rival? Did Jeff ask this question? No, 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 no. I would like to know. I would like to know. I don't think I don't think you could pick a number because there's way too many variables in the game. I mean, if if the matches were neither person has like a complete meltdown or close, then you're still close. If you're beating a guy by one or two percent or even three or four percent, and that's as close and it's always that close, I would say there's still a threat. Whether you're the one trying to beat them or they're the one trying to beat you, you're either still a threat or they're they're still a threat. Um, if you're beating somebody on a regular basis where they didn't like have massive issues or something, and you're beating them by ten or fifteen percent, I would say they're they're not in contention with you anymore. So you don't really need to worry about them. Okay. Uh, anybody else? Yeah, I would say within like. Probably kind of like what Jared was saying until you're basically out of range from them. If they're within 5%, they're within striking distance, I think. So I think you're consistently pushing them down below uh, 5% away. Uh, I would consider them still a threat. Okay. Uh, This one's for you, Jeremy. Uh, What's going to happen to carry optics next year? I I would like to see I would like to see more more top guys put more effort into it, um, and maybe maybe there are just there are some some younger guys and boomer um, that are that are <laughs> that are in it that are really good and they just haven't they just haven't had that much experience at the nationals level to know that they're the top guys in it. Um, but I'd like to see I'd like to see somebody push Max whether that's uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know how that would be, but uh, yeah. I would. I see it to continue to grow. Like it's like production numbers are way down, and I gotta feel like I feel like it's. I feel like Carry Optics is pulling people out of production, and it's pulling people out of open because a lot of people shot open because they can't yep. see and they need the red dot. And so, okay, I can buy a four thousand dollar open gun, which is a cheap open gun, or I can buy a twelve hundred dollar carry optics gun that includes the optic uh and and go play in that um so i I see it just continuing to grow now the other thing about carry optics though it's not just that people um are doing it because it's cheaper or whatever you're saying about open i mean it's people are leaving open the i think i would think because of open problems yeah yeah it's definitely more carefree than an open gun I mean, open gun. I mean, is is the most high maintenance, high speed, low drag uh, division. And carry optics is you can take a can and go be very competitive with it. I think uh, part of it is too is that the reason production was popular was it was a cheap gun and you could shoot factory ammo. It was nine millimeter ammo. It was, you could shoot either factory ammo or it was cheap to load. Where you take the biggest draw to something like limited and open, and you kind of mix them with the cheap ammo and cheap gun and CO. So you've got a red dot. So it's for most yep. people, it's easier to shoot, especially as you go to the less experienced people. It's easier to shoot. And then you also you give them high capacity and you give them cheap ammo. So there's a lot of people out there who don't or won't reload, who enjoy being able to shoot ammo that previously was you know twelve dollars box. Jeff, what was the question specifically? Um, what's going to happen with carry, carry optics, essentially, in the next few years? Uh, it's just going to grow. The dots are going to get better. Uh, they're going to last longer. 
It's going to continue to grow. And yeah, it just, it's, it's going to get more competitive. Obviously more people, you're going to get people that are going to get better at it. Uh, it's going to pull from production because iron sights are hard and people <laughs> like it easy. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a lot to it as well. And, and the reloads. I mean, again, it's just the high cap thing, right? Like Jared was saying. Okay. Jeff, this is for you. Um, would you shoot USPSA if it was on ice? Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyways. All right. So, yeah. Um, this is kind of a question for everybody. We'll do one, one or two more maybe. Um, I don't know if we do this anymore. Uh, I think we probably do, but I'll ask this question and see what you guys say. Because at first I'm thinking, we don't do this. Then I'm like, well, maybe we do. How do you pick a person to chase? Essentially another shooter and and, and say, I'm going to chase that person. They're here. I want to be there and I'm going to chase them. Do you guys do that still? <laughs> not not Probably not quite like we did when we were first starting out. But. So I'll, I'll go first. I wouldn't say I pick someone to chase. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly going to be aware of who I am trying to beat at a given match. And I will certainly be more interested in a match that I might not have shot otherwise if it's going to have more top guys. So, like, the the reason to go to, say, Area 8 to fly out there is because it's going to draw in more talent, there's more competition. You want to shoot against the best people available. But at a more like a state or section match in my area, uh, I'm certainly going to be aware of the guys that I am competing against head to head and who I'm trying to beat. But I'm not, I'm not going to go to a match just because I know they're going to it. I'm not going to chase them in that manner. I mean, I can't like say I've ever like in my career like had this like this one dude that I'm trying to chase down and beat. That I, I don't know. That's never been. Never been something I've like had some specific, but I've shot single stack mostly. So, I mean, it's you feel bad about beating boomers. So it's there's a problem. You can't yeah. Bad man, <laughs> that might be. <laughs> you just pick them back up, and hand them their That's walker, right. and be like, next time, yeah. next next time. Yeah. What about you, Jeff? So, you know this this works good uh, coming up in. Yeah. Uh, like when you first start out, you got local guys, you can pick them. For me, I definitely did that. Uh, there was local guys shooting limited, uh, some single stack production, a lot of production guys. I was shooting single stack minor, so I'd pick a, a production A class guy or an M class guy and I'd chase them. Uh, and that's kind of how I'd gauge myself. I feel like I feel like Jeff has like a kill sheet. Like a, like a list of names that he adds in, like he like cuts his finger and wipes like marks their name out in blood once he like once he beats them and he he defeats them is what I feel like yeah. Jeff does. Yeah, that's not gonna be that's gonna be my next Instagram post. It's gonna be Jeremy's name <laughs> with like a bloodline over it. <laughs> my name's gonna be above it. Jason's gonna be above that. <laughs> okay, no, Jeff's probably Jeff's the only one on the podcast that's probably beaten us all. <laughs> At some point. I mean, like I've only shot, I think, one match against him. It was like one of my first matches. He beat me. Yeah, it was like your first so, year shooting. Yeah. Um, so it gets more challenging if you want to do this in, in the upper level because then you have to chase people like literally around the country. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. got to like pick matches they go to. Um, so you, you do it less on the higher end just like because, you know, I'm not going to go halfway across the country just to shoot against some one person, but uh, you you definitely still pick milestones. Like uh, you know, at a local match, I'll still I'll still know that uh, like how the open guys finish. I'll I'll try to gauge against some open guys, or but it kind of gets ridiculous at that point because I mean they can just they can just shoot someone's faster. So if I'm if I'm gunning for them, I'm shooting pretty much out of control. Uh, so. Yeah. As far as picking somebody now, it's just it's just knowing where you are and knowing who usually finishes above you and then trying to get closer to them on, until they're below you. Yeah. It it's less picking people than it was in the beginning. I agree. Uh y'all want to do one more? Y'all want to end one it? One more. One more. All right. Shoot with friends. 
uh, or excuse me, shoot with no friends ever or always shoot with friends, but shoot revolver. Yeah. I'm not shooting a wheel. <laughs> that's pretty, that's a pretty, that's a pretty easy question. To yeah. Me. I'm not shooting a wheel gun. When I see people shooting wheel yeah. guns, I think I'd rather go home and paint my house. Like it looks that boring. You can't, it looks that you boring. You can't like do half and half. So no, no. Well, to shoot with friends, you have to shoot with a revolver. Right. That match. I'm pretty sure my friends. So you don't always have to shoot revolver, but if you want to shoot with your friends on that match, you have to shoot revolver. Oh, yeah. And I feel like I'm interested to know what Jeff thinks because Jeff's like he's always the guy like sounds fun to me, and he already shoots. He's already halfway in the boomer. Yeah, I mean, only, I would, in the boomer only club. So I think Jeff, Jeff, Jeff would do it. Yeah. So if if it was just like at that match, if I wanted to shoot with my friends, I had to shoot revolver. Then I would like to have that option. I like to shoot with my buddies, so if I got to shoot a revolver, hell yeah, I'll do it. But I also would like to have the option to go be competitive in something else at a different match and not shoot with my buddies. So if I can, if I can like pick a match and and do it, yeah, I'd do both. Uh, I'm not gonna say I'll never shoot a revolver. I mean, it'd be pretty cool to kick some ass to revolver. Wow. I don't think it would, but whatever. <laughs> Jeff, uh, like, I mean, Jeremy, well, I don't have friends, so I just, I'm just shooting like normal anyway. So that's that doesn't there change much. Well, I'm pretty sure if I, <laughs> I'm pretty sure if I shot revolver, I wouldn't have any friends left. So that's, I have a friend that's a revolver shooter, but it's tough. I would come shoot against you, Jerry. It, it really does kind of. I'm not gonna lie, like, it, it just watching a revolver shooter is is just painful. It's just painful. And then when you think about it, think about if you showed up to a match and you're on a squad with eight people, 12 people, and uh, six of them are shooting revolver, how bad that would be. Would you, would you, if you found that out before you, you shot, you broke your first shot on the first stage, would you go over to the match director and try to get squatted on a different squad? Yes. <laughs> yeah. If, there, if I didn't have any friends and I was on a squad with six revolver, yeah, I would be trying to switch. Now, okay. I would say if all my, hypothetical friends were going to shoot revolver with me for one match. Now that might be entertaining. Like, like if everybody was just like doing it, like now that might be entertaining. Like for one match, two matches would be, nope, not doing it. But for one match, that might be fun. Yeah. At at the end of the year, it's cold raining. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah. Comic relief is, is all that would be for. Yeah. Let me break out the J frame. We'll be ready to go. Yeah, buddy. I got 586. There you go. Can you even can you even point at J frame? Yeah. <laughs> it's in my palm. <laughs> it looks like a derringer to the normal person. He would get one finger on a J frame. So I think it's time to pinch it off. Pinch it off. Pinch it off. Go follow us on uh, Instagram and Facebook. Hit us up if you got any questions uh, through direct message. We've actually been getting some direct quest, uh, direct questions um, from listeners. It's been pretty cool. I know Jared got one the other day uh, asking him some specific uh, information about the uh, CZ guns. And uh, so if you've got any questions for any of us about the gear or divisions we're shooting, hit us up. We'll try to get them answered. All right, everybody. Have a good one.